0: The Financial Dads are not providing any financial, economic, legal, accounting, tax, or other advice in or by virtue of this podcast.
1: Hello, welcome to the Financial Dads podcast with Paul Fagan and Paul Becker. This podcast is for all the moms and dads out there who struggle with life's topics, especially related to family and finances. Now, here's
0: my dad, Paul Fagan. Hello, and welcome to Financial Dads. Today's episode, Paul Fagan got caught up at work, but as we all know, the show must go on special guest today is with bernard reese he'll discuss how to start a business using your 401k i'm really kind of excited and interested in this because i didn't know you could do that so we're going to uh get into this in a moment here we're going to skip some things uh skip the news and such but we'll start talking about it quickly here now so Bernard is a principal at ReSure Financial. Prior to founding ReSure, he served as director of CoMetrics Partners, managing an array of engagements involving financial consulting and due diligence. He's a CPA and an expert in the field. So Bernard, welcome to the show.
1: Uh, Paul and Paul. We can, we can reference him, even though he's not here, sure. right? He's going to watch yes. it. We don't want it to feel left out. So Paul and Paul, thank you for hosting me. Uh, been looking forward to this. Um, I love the name "Financial Dads," as we were talking about as we, you know, before we went live. Excited to be here and ready to dive in whenever
0: you are. Yeah. So, why don't you tell our listeners a little bit about your journey?
1: Oh yeah, this is. Uh, we don't want to use up the full hour. <laughs> <laughs>
0: So let's give them background. They like to understand where you're coming from, some of the experiences, and then we can build upon uh, some of your expertise here.
1: Absolutely. So I actually have a a kind of a unique uh, trajectory uh, in the sense that, you know, when people say CPA, there's a certain thing that comes to mind, right? Certain kind Mm -hmm. of personality, certain kind of person. And there are some wonderful things to that. And maybe there's some things that, you know, there's all sorts of things come to mind. You can draw a CPA. I've kind of taken a different route, uh, kind of out of the box. Uh, believe it or not, when I got out, when I graduated, I initially accepted a job offer from PwC. Um, PwC, mm-hmm. also known as PricewaterhouseCoopers, that's kind of like the gold standard in terms of, you know, in CPA CPA land, it doesn't get higher than that. Uh, but a couple of weeks before I was supposed to begin, um, I had a change of heart and I decided, you know, I kind of want to take my own path. And the, ultimately, the path that I've taken is to develop and focus on uh, tax education and tax tools um, that empower um, individuals. So that may be self-directed retirement accounts, which is retirement accounts that can be invested in real estate and cryptocurrency. That may be 1031 exchange, um, you know, entity structuring and tax advice. Um, And really educating, starting from the standpoint of substantive, from the knowledge, uh, you know, and and putting people in the driver's seat in contrast to a financial industry that has productized things. Uh, That's really what my journey has been about. um, And that's what has brought us here today. I think to talk about ROBS, um, which is uh, another way, another tax tool that can put folks in the driver's seat.
0: Yeah, so I, i've I've never heard of robs before. Um, so it's a rollover for business startups. Is that did I get that correct?
1: Yeah, absolutely. That's it.
0: So, so what what is it? how How does one do it? Let, let's dig in here because this is new, uh, very new to me.
1: Yes, and and by the way, that term robs. If you kind of look, there's no section in the tax code called robs.
0: Uh, <laughs> That's good.
1: The um, the IRS actually coined that term. So back in 2008, the IRS kind of took a deep dive on these structures, um, and that's the name they gave it. Rollover as a business startup, ROBS for short. Um, that's actually the an IRS terminology. But it, it's important, you know, on that note to understand that there are certain terms <clears throat> that are terms of, let's call them science, scientific terms that have defined meaning in tax code or labor law. And then there are terms that are marketing terms. Um, Some Mm -hmm. marketing terms are helpful um, and some actually get in the way of are counterproductive, right? So sometimes we have terminology that we use amongst ourselves. Hey, we can drop the technical jargon and hey, this is what we're doing for you. Call, Call it a checkbook IRA, checkbook 401k, right? It helps try to explain, oh, you get control of the checkbook. It's an IRA, but you control the money because you control the checkbook, so to speak. The money's in a bank account that you control. It's an attempt uh, to be helpful, to use kind of layman's terms to be helpful. Um, and sometimes you can hmm. end up with uh, terms of art that obscure you know, what really is going on. Uh, the upshot of all this is that what you really want to do is cut through – Uh, the nomenclature, and get to the substance. So we're going to talk about the substance of Rob's structures tonight. And people should be aware that Rob's structures have pros and cons um, on many levels. And it may seem really appealing at the outset. Hey, take your 401k money and use it uh, to launch a business. And that can get advertised. Hey, do this. You can do it. But that's not the full truth. The full truth is that there is an element of risk associated with it. So we're going to cover, try to cover, kind of give the comprehensive uh, view tonight.
0: Great. Thank you. So let's jump right in there, right? How can you use this technique to to start to fund a business? So let's talk about, I want to take this money out and start a business or how does that go?
1: Okay. Great question. So this is, this is where the The beauty of the ROBS structure comes in because if somebody says, hey, I just want to take the money out and start a business, uh, while they may be able to do that, they would take a huge haircut because when you distribute money from a 401k plan or an IRA, um, it's taxed at ordinary income tax rates. And um, you get a 10% penalty on top of that, right? Unless you're 59 and a half, if you take money out prior to that, um, it's ordinary income. So, and I meaning it gets stacked on top, whatever other income you may have had, it gets stacked on top of that. So it may go into even higher um, tax brackets, federal and state level, plus an additional 10% penalty.
0: So, ah, so if I'm making decent money and I go to do an early withdrawal, I get taxed because now my income is higher that year. I mm-hmm. could significantly potentially raise my tax bracket and then I get the the pleasure of paying an additional 10%, right? Is that how it works? That's, that's what would happen. And the, okay.
1: the Rob's is kind of a, 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 designed to sidestep that kind of, that's the challenge we have. How do we get this money where we want it to get without paying that tithe along the way? Right. Cause that's a very, 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 you know, easily can hit 50 to 50, 60%. Um, wow. right? Once you add up your federal state, depending which state you're in, um, Right, plus your penalty, easily hit 50% of that money. Um, I'm in New York, uh, right, New York, New Jersey. If you're in other high-tax states, Rhode Island, Massachusetts, California, uh, you know, you can get easily hit that, um, you know, hit that 50%. So, how do we avoid that? So, what Rob's is about is taking that money and getting it you under your control. And here's the overview, kind of the 100,000-foot view. Is that you create your own 401k plan and that for and you have your IRA or prior 401k roll assets roll over rolled over to the new 401k that you control and that 401k.
0: I'm sorry, if I were to put this in maybe a little bit more layman terms, would I? I'm starting my business. I start up it as a corporation. That corporation creates a 401k and I can roll it from that 401k to my new one. Is that that? Yeah. Oh, wow. A, okay. You got,
1: you're getting way ahead of you. Oh, awesome. Sorry. That's exactly it. Oh, okay. Oh, no, that's great. No, that's beautiful. Um, so the structure is a 401k um, always has to be tied to a business, right? You have to have a sponsoring business. Um, to create a 401k. So it actually, the 401k that we're describing has to be adopted by a business. So which business would that be? So you would create an entity, but essentially that entity would be a shell. Mm -hmm. Um, And that shell company will have no owner, but it will adopt a 401k plan. That 401k plan, um, right, this, both this new entity and the 401k plan will be controlled by you. You meaning not necessarily Paul, but whoever is putting the structure in place. They can then request that funds be rolled over into the new 401k plan. And that 401k plan will subsequently acquire shears of this shell company. So this shell company had no owners to date, right? Okay, um, And... The way it will get capitalized, just as in, you know, if you put, if there was no 401k involved, how does a company get capitalized? The people that want to become owners of the business, right, put money into the entity in exchange for ownership. Well, in this case, the 401k plan will put money into the business in exchange for ownership.
0: Hmm. Okay. Interesting. Interesting logic. Now, um, I'm going to go off a little my script here uh, with another question. If I'm already employed, I really can't do that, right? I have to cease employment there to then start this up to do this because I really can't move my 401k from one to another. Is that correct? Um, It it is
1: not always correct. It's a good generalization. Okay. Here's the thing. The 401ks differ from IRAs um, in the sense that an IRA is always under your control and you can always distribute it if you want to, right? You pay the tax penalty. Say you wanted to distribute an IRA, just take it out, right? You can do that. Nobody's going to stop you. It's allowable under the rules of IRAs, right? An IRA is a trust essentially, right? Individual, every IRA is a trust that's governed by a document. And that document will allow you to take the money out. Uh, But there are tax consequences. Income gets added to income plus penalties. A 401k plan is also a trust governed by a plan document and governed by, right? And that plan document is going to incorporate language required by the IRS and the Department of Labor. So it's a trust that's controlled by the company, not by you. And... The terms of that trust can't, there is room for flexibility with regard to what kind of distributions it will and won't allow. Uh, hmm. So, while you're employed, can you get the money out? It's a good question. There's no single answer to that. Uh, for example, uh, many companies, many plans are written to allow distributions, they're called in service distributions. Uh, once you hit a certain age. Right, so if oh, you hit a certain age, you can okay. take now, all, now, bully, well, for it should come as no surprise that, that when that um, plan features in effect, the age is usually 59 and a half. Okay. And the reason for that is is because these plans really just want to simplify their compliance with the tax code. And so they're like, okay, 59 and a half is when, for most purposes, The labor law and IRS says you can take money out. So that's what the plan is going to allow for. But the plan does not have to allow for these things necessarily, right? Some plans can allow for, hey, after a certain number of years that you're working for the company, you can take money out. Uh, So there are all sorts of things that can be written into a plan, but the plan has to have it and it has to be allowable by the IRS. So Um, Another example that's common, money that's rolled into a plan. So say you switched jobs once before. Mm -hmm. And so you rolled from one 401k from your prior employer to your current employer. The funds that were rolled in were more than likely be eligible to be distributed or rolled out at any time.
0: Hmm. So so many questions here again. I, I feel like I I use that line a lot, very frequently with a lot of our awesome guests. So can you provide I guess some some examples of like prohibited transactions, like things you really can't do? Yes. Like so. So we'll, thanks. Let's do it. So prohibited
1: yeah. transactions um, is actually a very scientific term, right? So folks that are listening may think, hey, prohibited transactions. You, like uh, Paul's just asking, what are things you can't do? But which is one part of the question, but a that terminology, prohibited transactions, is actually terminology that's used in the tax code to describe a defined set of transactions. So there are a lot of things that you're not allowed to do, uh, but there are actually specific things that the tax code gives the name prohibited transactions. And what mm. prohibited transactions are about is, um, and it's, it's plays up is who can a 401k plan or IRA transact with, right? The, the premise um, of all that we're discussing is that tax-sheltered retirement accounts can buy things other than mutual funds, right? People are accustomed to you got a job. Um, you got a menu of mutual funds that you can buy,
0: yeah.
1: right? That's like... Yeah. It's pigeonholing folks in a way that is like so far away from what the tax code actually allows, right? What the tax code actually allows is investing in almost any asset and any asset class. There are very, very few things that are actually off limits to 401ks, right? So can, afford, can, can retirement accounts buy real estate? Yes. Can they buy private companies? Yes. Can they buy cryptocurrency? Yes. Can they buy real estate in the metaverse? Um, theoretically, <laughs> yes. Um, mm. Unless that's called a collectible, that's a, that's an interesting discussion for another time.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, so, one of the few things that are off limits to retirement accounts are collectibles, um, and so we got to figure out today new stuff like what's a collectibles. Um, do you, do you invest in cryptocurrency? Are you familiar with crypto at all?
0: I, I have. Uh, we actually did an episode on crypto back in uh, June, and we're going to redo that in the near future. So I, I've dabbled in and out. Um, I was fortunate. I I felt like I should get out of some of the Bitcoin's holding I did have uh, at a really good rate, and I did. And a few weeks later, it, it dropped. So my brother-in-law actually asked me, how did you know, what was your trigger to tell you to sell? I'm like, uh, my gut, and I just thought it was a good time. And he hated that a- that answer. He really did.
1: I I love that answer though because it really highlights something, um, and and it plays a lot actually playing to the Rob's discussion. Um, you know, we'll bring this full circle. Some things are not logical, right? There's there's a there is a component of life that we can plan and structure for, but sometimes the best laid plans, right don't end well because of some fluke. And sometimes even plans that are not well executed or well thought out, right, can do well because, hey, you landed in the right place at the right time. Um, That's an inextricable, you know, it's just part of reality. Um, And and it's something to think about when, when you do a ROPS. And I'll get back to that full circle. So once we got the, now retirement accounts can invest in all these asset classes, what are the real rules? You know, where are the real restrictions? And the real restrictions are what we call the prohibited transactions, which says um, that there are certain people or companies or entities that a retirement account can't do business with. And we have these rules both in tax code and in labor law. Uh, because retirement accounts are governed, um, particularly those that are 401k plans for companies and have employees, it kind of falls under both, right, different diff- two governing bodies, two administrative bodies, the IRS and the Department of Labor, which administer, right, two different sections of the tax code. The IRS is in charge of, right, Title 26, which is tax code, part and the Department of Labor Right is in charge of implementing and administering title 29 which is labor law and retirement accounts which cover employees right gets to have these two wonderful governing <laughs> bodies uh, IRS Department of Labor um, don't we all love them uh, um, listen hey they're, they're for the most part they're doing they' hey they're doing what they're, they're trying to do what they're supposed to um, I, I actually you know wish uh, to an extent, uh, that they would do a better job because I think it would give us all greater clarity. Right? A lot now we have a lot of fuzziness in tax code because sometimes we don't have clarity, which can work for us and against us. Uh, so that's where the labor code. So the prohibited transactions are described in both labor law and tax code, and there are some distinctions between them. Uh, but the prohibited transactions are in tax code, and an IR and an IRA or 401 k cannot transact with a disqualified person and in the words of the department of labor it's confusing they have the same set of rules but instead of using disqualified person they call it a party in interest but you know 95 percent of the way the rules are the same now who is a party in interest who's a disqualified person
0: well I don't know you, please tell us because I, I am I am out of my uh, out of my pool here
1: well you are a disqualified person to your retirement accounts Um, As are um, a spouse, descendants, antecedents, like meaning, you know, forebears, parents, grandparents, um, as are spouses of children, uh, right? So those are from family members that are disqualified persons. Additionally, any entity, 50% of which is owned by any such individuals, becomes a disqualified person. Okay. And um, a company and its retirement plan are disqualified to each other.
0: Okay. So what I'm hearing, I I just want to play this back and see how, how far off I am. So I can start up an entity, a corporation Take my 401k, move it to that, and now for all intents and purposes, it's become self-directed and it's its own business. But I can't use it to actually say fund a, I don't know, a bakery business that my family wants to start or something. It's really about taking the money and making it more of a self-directed fund. Is that kind of where you're going? So what? It what we get is we're getting there because you've got
1: you've no, highlighted no, right. the question. No, you got the question. Right? There's a question that's emerging and that's what's in your mind is like how does this structure work right? because the way – what we, what we outlined was that the money goes to the 401K right, and then it buys stock in this company that sponsors the 401K. Didn't we just say that they are disqualified to each other?
0: Yeah, that's that's why I asked my question. That was your question.
1: Exactly. And so the tax code is full of exceptions. And then exceptions to exceptions. And sometimes we get exceptions to exceptions to exceptions. Uh, And one of those is called, there's an exception for qualifying employer securities. And so Rob's takes advantage of that exception. So the 401k plan, you cannot invest in somebody in your spouse's um, or your kid's business, right? Because that wouldn't be a cloud-fine and point security. But there is a limited exception that in which that allows a 401k plan to invest in the company that sponsors it. And that is what ROBS is built upon. And... Uh, in fact, you may have want to come up with other th- different acronyms. You know, the IRS does not like this structure. At the same time, they have acknowledged that it's not what they call per se uh, illegal. I mean, the IRS says, "Hey, we looked at this. We can't, guys. We we, we don't like it, but there's not that much we can do about it because." It follows, um, you know, a structure that can definitely be compliant. So the, the IRS, in a sense, has given us a roadmap. Uh, but being that they don't like it, they probably called it ROBS, right? ROBS doesn't sound that great, does it?
0: No, um, no. Right.
1: <laughs> right. It, 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 it makes us think of, of robbery and thievery. Yes. Um, so they've kind of told us that, hey, we, we don't like this. If you do it, um, we may look to kind of – for chinks in your armor and look to punch holes in it. But the structure itself is not inherently illegal. So it's a very, very powerful structure because um, you can imagine, folks, you want to start your own business, you want to do something um, and you need the funds. Getting funding is 90% of the battle, perhaps. Um, this is can be really empowering. But the risk is that Um, it's really in the details. If it gets scrutinized, the IRS is saying, Hey, this can be done legally, but there are a number of pitfalls along the way. Um, and we reserve the right to kind of call you out on a technicality. That's what the name of the game is. So there are some structures in tax, you know, tax structures. Once the IRS sees it, the IRS says, Hey, this is a sham. This is a tax avoidance scheme. The whole thing doesn't hold water, right? We're just going to knock this thing down. We're going to yank the rug out from under this whole thing. With ROBS, the IRS has acquiesced in a sense. They've told us, we've looked at this. We cannot pull the rug out from under this. But we can nitpick and find places where you can do it wrong and disqualify it.
0: That sounds like a dangerous, uh, high-stakes poker game there almost. I don't know. Making me it, a little it, uncomfortable.
1: It, it, you've got – the thing is – and this is kind of comes back to what I mentioned before. Ultimately, things with the IRS, to a certain extent, it's like, okay, what are they going to pick on? What are they not going to pick on, right? Um, and nobody has a crystal ball. So for the most part, as much as the IRS has told us they don't like ROBS, um, you know, ROBS is thriving. Um, You know, you want to cross your T's and dot your I's and cross your fingers, uh, but ultimately Rob's is thriving. Um, If the IRS decided that, hey, we want to target these things and nitpick, it's a high stakes game. If they leave it alone and they say, hey, these guys are really, these are not fraudsters. They're trying to play by the rules. We've got better things to do. Then, you know, it, it keeps just humming along.
0: So, so what are some of the um, methods and things you could do to minimize some of these high-stake risks? I mean, obviously you need a professional to help you navigate all this, but what else?
1: So some of the specific stuff the IRS says they're concerned about, um, one is the valuation, right? When you buy your you know, company, you've got the 401k is buying something. Uh, it's got to be done. Anything that's done with a 401k plan Right, there are fiduciary responsibilities. It's got to be done for the benefit of the plan. Right, you cannot use your plan. Another any anything that's done with a plan asset that's not for the benefit of the plan is a prohibited transaction.
0: Mm-hmm. Right.
1: So if the IRS come in and say, "Hey, you just took um, a hundred thousand dollars from the retirement plan, and you bought an asset that's only worth ten thousand dollars," right? If you if a if in a, if that truly happens, right? There are a whole bunch of different things the IRS can use uh, to call to call that out, um, and so you want to establish that whatever you're putting into the company is justifiable, and that the plan is getting a fair shake. Oh, this is not just a conduit to somehow get the money into your own pocket, right? When the when the company bought the stock in this, when the four hundred and one k acquired the stock for a hundred thousand um, dollars, you want to be able to justify that. You want to be able to say, "Hey, somebody, some independent third party said, oh, I get it. Yes, it makes sense in an arm's length transac- in an arm's length transaction that that could be a reasonable purchase price.' Hmm. That's one thing the IRS is looking out for. Secondly, uh, what happens if you? Put $100,000 in and then you pay yourself a $100,000 salary, right? The company hires mm-hmm. its first employee and pays you $100,000. Now you can kind of see how that looks where the money flowed and ultimately yep. where it ended up. Yeah, the company is bankrupt and where's all the money?
0: Yeah, right in your pocket. Minds exactly. Taxes, of course.
1: So at that point, right, the IRS would say, so you don't want to take any salary really until the company is actually profitable and you can say, Hey, listen, I'm not taking money. This is not just the money. You know, if we eliminate all these steps, right? Essentially what the IRS would be saying is, yeah, you took a very circuitous route, but as the crow flies, what happened here is money went from your old 401k plan into your pocket, right? That would be awful. So you want to have a salary, your own compensation at a justifiable level, Um, And ideally, uh, when a company is actually profitable, so that it's, hey, the money's not, this wasn't just a way to get money from there into your own pocket.
0: Okay, so you really got to be extremely careful, and this isn't, like you were saying, just a a shell thing. This is for a real proper purpose, and you really got to be careful. Wow. Yes. Wow. And, now, can can you do anything similar with like the Roth with, with your Roth investments?
1: Yeah. So this is great. So this is where, believe it or not, um, I can't say I, I I love when seeing people do robs um, because it's the only source of funding that they have. And I'll explain. Um, I actually believe in people making fully informed choices um, and right risk reward, and you. Bear those risk-rewards. So the thing is, sometimes what happens in this space is that there's somebody that's selling some sort of business concept, right? Like, I don't know what business I'm going to start, but hey, oh, John, if you pay him X amount of money, you can buy into his business concept, right? Mm -hmm. And John teams up with Jack, who does rob setups and together they pitch it and it sounds almost like you can't fail right and it's like wow turnkey structure boom i got my business i got my 401k money got my funding and we're off to the races um and then there are two things that are missing really one is um the tax risk right which of course people are i am the first one to say everybody's entitled to take tax risk but They should understand the choices that they're making, and they should understand the tax risk. Secondly, the financial and economic risk, um, which is oftentimes there, right? And so the reality is a lot of being an entrepreneur is amazing, but statistically. They fail. The statistics are sobering, right? So. And and it's not through anybody's fault. It's kind of that's just that's what statistics tell us. And so I try to tell people when you do things economically, you don't want to bet the farm. You don't want to bet the ranch, right? You don't want to. um, In a similar vein, right? You're empowered to take more financial risk uh, when, in a worst case scenario. You know your life's not going to. You know you'll still keep what you've got. You've you know keep a roof over your head, but when people bet their entire four hundred and one k, which for many many people is, their you know the lion's share or all of their savings, do you want to put that um, in a venture? You know in a startup. Yeah. It, that's, that's that's. uh
0: tough decision here you know my inner poll fagan is you know screaming in my ear oh heck no you know keep me out of this <laughs> so YouTuber i could speaking. not
1: say so people people can take that risk right if you would have asked a financial advisor um if bill gates jeff bezos and elon musk had contacted a financial advisor in the early days right they would have told them guys the odds of this don't do it right just get a job and don't do the startup stuff right so you can by all means take the risk and get the reward you know the upside or the downside it's just too often it's people are getting pitch stuff and the pitch conceals the downside Um, or it doesn't necessarily conceal it but it kind of puts it under the – sweeps it under the rug. Now, the Roth thing is a different kind of – brings it to a new realm because now we're talking more about a tax strategy kind of thing. So a okay. 401k plan can have a Roth component. Now, can you imagine the power? Let's take some of these folks that we just spoke about. If um, if Tesla was owned by a Roth 401k,
0: imagine that. Hmm. And it's hard to have you wrap your head around, actually, but yeah. And then that
1: Roth four hundred one k right acquired the shares at nothing, right? Because as we said, right when when Elon Musk started, this was, it was nothing. Right, it was worth nothing, right? The financial advisor would tell him, "Hey, Elon, just call it quits, get a good job, um, and right, it was worthless. Uh, not worthless, but worth very, very, very little." Um, But today, those shares would have appreciated their worth, right, (laughs) astonishing (laughs) amount. And can you imagine if the Roth 401k could sell those shares Mm tax-free? Right? Can you imagine $200 billion tax-free?
0: Very very interesting. Um, I'm still trying to wrap my head around some of this stuff. But so let me bring it back to reality for a moment. How about this? What if someone, you know, they want to do something and they want to start, they want to buy a franchise, a a restaurant, a a gym, something like that. Could someone use this strategy and do that? It sounds like maybe because you're buying into a franchise and maybe it's a little less. You know, risky in that sense. I wouldn't say it's not risky because you never know it's a franchise. But
1: Yeah, absolutely. So that's one of the most popular applications.
0: No, look at that. What a guess. Yeah.
1: Uh, no way. I was like, Paul, I mean, you're brilliant. And I thought that was like scripted. I mean, no. no that is math, absolutely huh? – that that's Take where the strategy is most popular. That's okay. exactly it. In a franchise model, whether it be a nationally recognized franchise or there are new franchises created every day, um, mm. right? The franchise model, um, it's just a business model. And so there are new franchises created all the time. And that's the most popular application
0: of ROBS. So now uh, let me ask you one more, maybe a little too technically nuanced, but I'm going to ask anyway, because all well, Fagan's not here to stop me. So, you know, if, if I did, if someone did something like this, right, and they set it up from a, you know, a CPA point of view, it sounds like to me it would be almost behoove that person to also have a third-party auditor come in to help look at the books, check everything, and, and sort of to help keep the IRS – and make sure you're doing it in line within the rules. Is that something you would recommend?
1: Um, I absolutely would. And you're touching on one of the biggest hurdles with anything tax-related. It's an intangible, and there's no way to really assess it without being an expert. right? So the reality is how do most folks – how do you kind of get comfortable? The reality is you get online. Hey, if this guy has been in 100 podcasts – then, oh he's probably a good guy right and just right and we can <laughs> buy this thing uh, but the, you really have no way of looking um, there's an acronym that I use a hashtag that I use um, Wiggy wits um, I don't have you ever heard of WYSIWYG?
0: I've heard of wizzywig for yeah. computers but exactly
1: guys. what's WYSIWYG?
0: Oh goodness! It's it's what you see is what you get.
1: Exactly. With tax products, what you get—I'm going say—this is what you get is what you don't see.
0: Well, you're making this complicated this evening. Okay.
1: <laughs> right. The thing is, it's you can with some things. What you see is what you get. You want to buy a shirt, more or less, right? You touch it, you look at it, you feel it. What you see is what you get. Uh, now, if you care about the labor conditions of the folks that made that shirt or that shoe, when you look at the shoe, you can't see it, right? You can't see that, right? You actually no. have to do some some research. Now, every financial product, what you're getting is what you don't see, and that works both for the upside and the downside, uh, meaning to say sometimes you cannot – people cannot see – Um, right? The same kind of financial service or product can be offered by two individuals. One of them is looking out for all the little details, all the little gotchas, and they're crossing their T's and dotting their I's and looking out for you, for your benefit, um, in a million ways that only an expert can perceive. You can't even see that, right? And then... The other, And when I say you, I don't mean you, I mean to say, you know, the financial, the consumer. Um, And then you can have another provider which purports to offer the same service, but they're really meaning while they're cutting every single corner possible um, on the compliance and not delivering that, but it's not visible to the consumer, right? The consumer doesn't even have necessarily have the expertise to assess that or to know what to look for. Um, so I think in every um, the extent feasible, when you're dealing with financial products or tax products, to get an independent third party um, to kind of opine on it, um, you know, is a great idea. It just the challenge has got to be cost effective, right? That's the mm-hmm. challenge. That the challenge is really is the finding that independent expert. And paying them because, right, the provider is getting their fees for the service, right? Um, and now is there enough money in the pot to go pay an independent third party to actually, you know.
0: Verify it all, yeah. Exactly. Tough choice, tough choice. Wow. Um, wow, that, that was uh, really a lot today. Uh, I learned an incredible amount, uh, I guess. My sort of summary recap would be: I now know what Robs are. I know I probably don't want to do it for myself. It sounds a little too risky for me, and I can hear Fagan saying, "Absolutely not." But I can see how this is very appealing to to others, especially. I, I guess I went to the franchise model because I could see someone who's like, I see something. If I just had the money to to get into that franchise, I, I could see that being very appealing to someone. But again, obviously, people need to talk to their. CPAs or, or you? How about you? Like you know, so why don't you leave our listeners with you know your recap, how people can get in touch with you and and such.
1: Yeah, glad to. Uh, I first of all, I just want to say I, I've loved the discussion. I love financial dads, and I think um, at dads, you know, everybody's got a different financial profile, right? If you're a dad, there's a certain level of risk that you can and can't take, um, right? That impacts your risk profile. Uh, whereas other folks, right? Maybe say if you're not a dad, right? And I'm sure folks that are not dads um, listen to this podcast as well. Yes, they do. Yes. Um, right. They can afford to take more risk, right? Um, every Everybody's got a different profile. So the, and that's really what I think the name of the game is. Everybody should get, be able to make fully informed decisions um, based on their own profile, their own choices um, and their own, you know, what they're, risk reward uh you know what they're ready to go for uh where i folks can find me at resurefinancial.com. um and we've got an an investor education space um i've kind of got a passion hey. for this a mission um i've been more or less to every nook and cranny of the financial and tax space um and there are lots of great stuff out there but these things have all become productized and really the challenge that folks face is what we just spoke about, that WYSIWYG versus WIGIWIDs. Um And I really just want to educate people so that they make informed choices in terms of the tax tools that we offer, right? I offer consultation kind of on anything, almost anything in the tax world ready to talk about. Um, but we deliver self-directed retirement account services, 1031 exchange. Uh, we have a focus on real estate investors and tax tools. Mm. Uh, But the – believe it or not, ROBS is something that we have toyed with, uh, but it's not something that we say, hey, we're ready to advise on it, but perhaps not ready to actually deliver it um, and promote it. Um, And I guess based on today's discussion, you'll understand that, hey, we may be able to sell it, but there's more – a lot more that goes into that question, that decision. Um, than just saying, hey, we can do this, we can sell it.
0: Wow, oh, wonderful. And for those of you who don't know what a 1031 is, just go back one episode and we uh, we have an episode on real estate investing that talks about 1031s. And it's a great tie-in to, to that last episode. So thank you very much for that. And I, I do have a favor to ask of our listeners while our social social media and our podcast keeps growing. We do need some help in the YouTube space, so please search for financial dads in YouTube and subscribe. That would really help us. We appreciate that. Well, Bernard, I, I did really enjoy our discussion today and I'm personally looking forward to our next one. Um, hopefully we can have you back in the future and learn some more. It was incredibly insightful and very detailed, which sometimes, you know, can can be tough, but it was wonderful. I, I love the, uh, the detail. But thanks for everyone for downloading our podcast. If you have any questions or comments, please email us at financialdads at gmail.com or check us out on Facebook. Just go to financialdads.com. So with that, this is Paul Becker reminding you, managing your finances can be stressful, but that's why the Financial Dads are here to help you plan for success. Have a good one, everybody. Be well, and thank you.